tuning in to our Neighborhood Church podcast. Join us on Sunday at any of our locations. To learn more about our church, visit neighborhoodchurch.com or download our church app. Well, good morning, Neighborhood Church. Good morning, church family. Good morning to those joining us online from afar. It is so good to be with you. My name is John Wyatt, and I get the awesome privilege, and I get the platform to brag because... um, I get to work with our junior high and high school students, and I love them. I see you guys this morning. I just need to tell you, adults, some things about our junior high and high school students. They're deep, they're hilarious, they love Jesus, they're inviting their friends, they're sharing their testimony, they're struggling in their lives to connect to Jesus with a real faith with what's going on. I love them. It's so fun. They're constantly learning, learning, surrendering, enduring, and they just make me laugh. My leaders and I love listening to their questions because they take it seriously. And I just want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't already know this, they're not just the future church. These students are the church. They are the church. And if you look around on a Sunday, usually they're behind a camera or they're on stage or they're doing sound or they're serving in children's ministry. But church, they're not better than you. But what I want to tell you is they're learning from you. They are watching your lead. They are watching you worship the Lord Jesus. They are watching how you invite others to church. They are watching you as you worship in song and service and in your salvation. I'm so grateful that you have come alongside our students because they're coming along the younger generation under them. They are. And so church, thank you for showing them what a life with God looks like. Because my wife always tells me, John, students are always watching. They're always taking it in. They're always learning. And students, I want you to hear me this morning, okay? You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. You are here for a reason. Did I mention you're loved? Again, I have the greatest job in the world. I'm so blessed. And so if you want to join the adventure in chaos that is youth ministry, please talk to me anytime. Um, but not only do I get to help disciple our young people in the next generation, um, I also get to help coach our life group leaders in creating a space for adults. P- adults who are wanting to follow Jesus where we can further, um, where we can get to know each other, where we can find belonging and further his mission. And so what we do in life groups during the week is we try to create an environment for people to cultivate their relationship with God and their relationship with each other. Moving from acquaintances, maybe on a Sunday, to allies that we text during the week when life is upside down. Moving us from distracted disciples who are just kind of staying here, but then deepened disciples who are engaging the heart. We also try to go from wandering to kind of like reading the Bible in front of the fan, wherever it lands, we read. We try to go from that to being rooted in the truth of who God is and his promises to us. And so, in fact, this, during the fall and even into the spring now, we've been helping each other in life groups pay attention to the movement of the Holy Spirit in our life. So each week, we have a dedicated time where one to two people share about um, who the Holy Spirit has been bringing to their attention over this past week. We talk with each other as we enter into conversations at work or at school at Ralph's or even on the sidelines during soccer practice, right? Like the Holy Spirit, we're asking, Lord, what are you doing in this person right now? Holy Spirit, what are you arranging for me in this moment? We've been sharing about how we feel maybe God is prompting us to interact with people, but we also share, if we're honest, the obstacles that get in the way of why we haven't maybe engaged. And then we 
the best part is when we get to come to pray for each other. We pray for boldness and understanding, but we also pray for those that God is putting in our paths. Again, this time of sharing in our life groups, it's dedicated to help us strengthen our awareness of the Holy Spirit's prompting in our lives, to help us see the opportunities, but also identify the obstacles that we may have because we wanna follow where Jesus leads us, but if we're honest, that's a process. And so we kind of do that. If you um, aren't in a life group, please fill out the connection card in your worship folder, and we would love to get you plugged in. But all these questions I just asked, you don't have to do in a life group. You can do them over the the dinner table. You can do it with your spouse. You can do it with another believer as you meet together. Because as we're going to see in our passage this morning, the Holy Spirit is always inviting us to share and show the good news of Jesus with those he places around us. He places us with other believers in our lives so that our awareness of his work can grow. This morning, we're going to see that the Holy Spirit is going to always be bringing us back to God, and he's always going to be bringing us back to God's people to help us experience the love of God that he has for me, but also others. And we'll see this morning, too, that the Holy Spirit is not this, he's not this elusive mist that we need to try to, like, trap right? Like a lightning bug. Like he's, that's not the Holy Spirit where once we got the lightning bug, we got the light, we got the power. It's not about that. Rather, the Holy Spirit is with us and he's with us as we walk out together. And as we begin to walk together with the Holy Spirit, he is going to walk ahead of us and he's going to prop the door open for us. And he's going to hold it open for us to walk through. And I just pray for myself the courage to identify and then walk through it, Right? And sometimes those prop doors are during some of the hardest moments of our life. But he's not intimidated. If death couldn't intimidate Jesus, it's certainly not going to intimidate the Holy Spirit. So my hope this morning is that we might better understand what it looks like to walk with the Spirit each day. It may surprise you a little along the way. It might not be what you think, um, but that's okay. Because one of the... the, um, ways that the Holy Spirit is with us is he's like a good counselor. And like any good counselor, he's always going to push us back towards our beloved, no matter what's getting in the way. The Holy Spirit is that counselor. And my prayer this morning is that we will allow the word of God and the spirit of God to lead us back to the Father's heart so that we might see how much he loves us and how much he loves this world and so that we might move from this place of being centered in him. But before we open God's word, let's open our hearts to him in prayer. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit of God, would you please search us and know our hearts this morning as we open your words to us? Lord, would you look deeply within us and love us in the deep down places that nobody else can see but you? And Lord, while you're down there fully knowing us and understanding what we've been through, Lord, see if there's any hurtful things down there. And then would you lead us in the way everlasting? Lord, we want to live and find our life and our joy and our freedom in you today, but every day. So come close to us, Lord, as we come close to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, please open to the um, book of Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. If you uh, didn't bring a Bible this morning and you would like to hold a 3D printout of a Bible, like an actual hard one, uh, you can raise your hand and our ushers will get you one. But if you want to do the digital thing, you can do that too. Just tell Siri where to open it up to. But Acts chapter 8. Again, if you'd like to use a hardback Bible, we got them around the auditorium. You can just raise your hands. Acts chapter 8. 
And just to set the scene up here a little bit in Acts chapter eight, while we've seen many people are coming to know Jesus of Nazareth, they are experiencing the wonders of forgiveness and healing and freedom. But as they're experiencing, there's also tensions rising, right? From the religious leaders of the day who want to shut down this new movement of Jesus followers. But since the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was no longer dwelling in the temple, but now he is dwelling inside of human beings, persecution is also on the rise. Persecution against those who are filled with God's spirit because God's spirit keeps pointing the people back to Jesus of Nazareth. And if you've been following along in the book of Acts, Luke has been recording all of these persecutions, but he's also been carefully noting how the persecution has propelled them and propelled the message and the good news of Jesus. Back in chapter four, it says that the early disciples were arrested, but they were arrested and then got invited to share the good news in court, okay? Then they were threatened, and after they got threatened, they went and prayed for more boldness, okay? I don't know how that works. Um, They were imprisoned, right? They thrown in prison again, and then they were brought before everyone and a whole bunch of people and said, share with us what's going on, why you're doing this. So there's opportunity happening. They get beaten, yet they rejoice. They get seized, and yet the Bible tells us, Luke points out that they are being directed by the Holy Spirit. And last week, we heard and saw the stoning of Stephen, that even while he was being killed, he was so connected to God, so connected to the message of Jesus, so connected to heaven, that he died very much the same way that Jesus did, with forgiveness dripping off of his lips for those who were murdering him. Jesus' words from John 12 kind of ring in my ears as I'm starting to watch the early church when Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So if you have your Bibles, look with me at verse 1 of chapter 8 of the book of Acts. It says this, And Saul approved of his execution, Stephen's execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. Now devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church, entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Wow. I mean, Stephen's death was pretty bleak, but this seems to be a bit out of control. Saul, again, who will later turn to Paul, but he's mentioned again in his early days, he seems to have a bloodlust for anyone who is saying that they're a follower of Jesus. Even the word ravaging here is used to describe a person being torn up by wild animals, like cheetahs and leopards and wild boars. Saul would later admit in his letter to the Galatians how intensely he persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. So Saul is enraged but it, he's trying to snuff out a flame that just won't go out. Probably because it's connected to the burning bush of God. You know what I'm saying? But while the persecution is evil, right, there's unrelenting, this flame of the good news of Jesus is spreading everywhere. The church, believers, the message of Jesus is being scattered, scattered throughout all the regions, much like when a forest fire burns, not only does it engulf the flames of the trees, it spreads the seeds in ways that only fire can do. And as we learned last week, as Pastor Mike said, our God is not limited. He won't be intimidated by persecution. He won't be thrown off by the schemes of man, and he certainly won't be caught off guard by the chaos that happens on earth. Jesus certainly wasn't on the cross 
And the Holy Spirit won't be intimidated either. Because this is the same Holy Spirit that was hovering over the chaotic, unbound, unformed waters of creation from the very beginning. So again, this Trinity says, bring it on. It's amazing. And now the Spirit of God is going to go before people, and he's going to open doors and opportunities that they never saw coming. So as we're going to see here, as our, our first point this morning is that as we walk with the Holy Spirit, we are going to be able to start recognizing missional opportunities around us. As we follow Jesus and are counseled by his Spirit, he will go ahead of us to prop doors open for us to walk through, even during times of hardship or darkness in our own life. Look with me at verse 4. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when, he, when they heard him and saw the signs he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many were paralyzed or lame were being healed. And there was much joy in that city. Verse 9. But there was a man named Simon who was previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him, from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God. That is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself now believed after being baptized, he continued with Philip, and seeing the signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Whoa. Whoa, out of persecution is flowing this missional opportunity. The message of God and the Spirit of God is being scattered all over Samaria, and they're paying attention. We would call these divine appointments, missional opportunities. It's happening in the midst of suffering, and its suffering can be the perfect soil sometimes for God's truth and healing and life to come. However, much like this book of Jonah, as Pastor Mike mentioned, sometimes the, one, the Jews and even the disciples at times didn't want to pay attention to the Samaritans because they were getting in the way. They wanted to overlook them, exclude them, and if you were a disciple on a bad day, you wanted to annihilate them too. We'll talk about that later. Of course, I'm talking about the Samaritans. And last week, up in youth Sunday school, junior high and high school, we were watching an episode of The Chosen. And chapter two does a great job of showing, or excuse me, season two does a great job of showing the hatred and the historical tensions that happen. You see, before the Samaritans, they only paid attention to the first five books of the Old Testament and discarded all the other books. They also discarded the temple and they built their own temple on their own mountain, not Jerusalem, but Gerizim. But the Holy Spirit was opening their eyes to the good news that was being preached to them. So they've gone from this to leaning in. Do you see how the Spirit of God is holding open doors in places that were previously closed? Barriers are being broken down. Access is being granted. And the Spirit is bringing people into the family of God that were previously prevented. Joy is erupting instead of war. Healing is happening instead of hatred. And salvation is coming instead of separation. There's no more you do your thing, we'll do our thing, because you're lame. It's we're together. So much so that the point that Simon the magician, the one who used to gather the people's attention, he's now giving his attention to what's happening into his community, and he's being overwhelmed by the powerful God that Philip is preaching about. Simon, who used to make himself great in the eyes of people, he used to enjoy the prestige and the awe of working with dark spirits to amaze the people, is now himself 
being met with the spirit of Jesus and his soul is being transformed. He's being baptized with the truth of the greatness of God. Truth is being shared. Transformation is on the horizon and testimony is growing as Philip is faithful to preach the good news. Now remember too, Philip was originally hired for widow's ministry, right? He was, he was Philip. He was prayed in by the congregation to organize things, clear tables, clean dishes, and now he's feeding people way more than food. Isn't that normally what happens when we sign up for a ministry? Right? You sign up, and you're like, oh, yeah, I, I would love to be an assistant in the children's wing. Sure. Well, then you get a call from Pastor Lorena, actually, uh, a teacher's not here. Can you teach today? You're like, what? Right? Or you go, to a mission, or you go um, sign up for VBS, and you're, you're there, and you're working, and then you're asked, hey, could you uh, do a silly skit on stage real quick? Like, well, no, no, that's not what I signed up for. I signed up to work on the back, right? You never know. You never know how God's going to use you. I love this. Or you might have thought, hey, I'm not really sure why I feel God's stirring me to go on a short-term mission trip, because if I'm honest, I feel like my life probably disqualifies me from being used by God. But for some reason, you risk trusting that maybe God sort of kind of is calling you to go and serve. And then pretty soon you realize, oh, it wasn't about me, but what I got to be a part of, right? I remember my first mission trip. Um, I was nervous. I didn't know what to do. I was in high school. And so I thought, I'll just do something behind the scenes, like set up tables and put tablecloths out. We were in Nooksack, Washington. Yeah, the most exotic place on the planet, right? Um, So it's a youth event. We're setting up. And I just found myself setting up. But these kids, little kids, just kept coming to me and talking and hanging out. And I was like, really? And then my youth leaders were like, John, wow, you're really good with kids. And I'm like, I am? I'm the oldest of five. I don't want kids, you know, like, it's, you know, kind of thing. Uh, and then we went from Nooksack, Washington up to Vancouver. And one day we were at a rescue mission downtown and Canada. And they said, hey, we need someone to scrub toilets. No volunteers. Surprising, right? But then one of the girls in my youth group um, raised her hand. And I thought, man, Toilets don't seem that bad anymore. So then, we're, <laughs> I'm being honest. So then I'm like, okay, let's watch, let's, let's do this. So we're, it was great. It was fine. It was totally fun. Um, and then later that night, they say, hey, John, we want you to share your testimony. I was like, what? No, 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 I scrub toilets. I don't, I don't. My life's too crazy at home. I came on this mission trip to escape my life. God can't use me. Well, then I kept being invited, invited to share what God was up to. Um, and my leaders would point that out in me. I'm so grateful for that. But what about you? What gifts has God hidden inside of you that he wants you to trust him with and reach out and grow out? Next Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, um, we're going to have a short meeting after church um, for our Chicago mission trip. I tell students this, and I'll tell you adults, if you kind of sort of maybe think, maybe kind of sort of, I don't know, but God, I'm just maybe, I don't know, come anyway. (laughs) Come to the meeting. Come just learn. It's going to be a short meeting. I'll get you out before the Super Bowl, I promise. Like 15-minute meeting. But you can hear about what God is up to in somewhere other than Cyprus. You can experience what God is doing in Chicagoland and the neighbors, neighborhoods there. Again, it'll be about 12.15 to 12.45 up in room 208. But again, maybe the, God, the Holy Spirit is wanting to spark in you something that you don't even know is in there. And I love it because... My hope would be one day is that all of these students in here take our jobs. 
my hope would be that as they learn to lean into the Spirit and you guys learn to lean into the Spirit, that I won't be up here anymore, but they will be the new sound technicians, the preachers, the teachers, the volunteers, the mentors, everything that you guys are doing. But we gotta risk it a little bit. So again, check that out if you want. But if you're like me and you're like, uh, Pastor John, I'm not very good at recognizing missional moments that the Holy Spirit is creating. I'm like, yeah, me too, which is why we're practicing it in life groups. But here's what I wanna do. I wanna give you a soul exercise, okay, that you can practice this week. Um, a soul exercise to help you be led by the Spirit. Now, if you like me and you like to be in the Word, in the study guide, I put in, if you wanna spend time in Romans, figuring out what does it mean to be led by the Spirit, you can spend time in the Word. You can pick that up at the resource desk there. But while you're studying the word, you're also going to be interacting with the world. So I want to give you this spiritual exercise. Let someone else lead you this week. Let someone else take the lead. You find yourself in a conversation, choose to relinquish control. Just try it. And then I want you to talk to the Lord Jesus about it. I want you to tell him what it was like for you. What happened inside of you when you let go and let someone else lead the conversation? Notice, tell him how easy it was, how hard it was. Let him know the obstacles that got in the way, but also let him know what helped you actually surrender. Now, you might be thinking, but Pastor John, that doesn't sound very spiritual to let someone else take the lead. Well, here's, hear me this morning. The Holy Spirit is a person, and we need to be led by him so that we can recognize moments and realize his presence in our life. And as we practice in the human relationships that he has set up, it's going to make room in ourselves, right, to recognize when he's leading us. Because the Spirit's job is always to bring us back to Jesus and back to each other. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So again, this week, let someone else lead you. And it be interesting to see what kind of mission opportunities and muscles start to grow in you. Which brings us to our second point this morning, that not only will we recognize missional moments when we're walking into the Spirit, but we'll also begin to experience unity, unity with God and unity with believers. The Spirit is strengthening connections between us and God the Father all the time, and he might be strengthening things that you never thought were ever possible. Look with me now at verse 14. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. How cool is it to think that back at base camp in Jerusalem, Samaria, they're hearing about how Samaria is believing and being baptized in the name of Jesus to the point where the apostles themselves jump in the car, not really, they just walk you know, far to Samaria to see and pay attention to what the Holy Spirit of God is up to in that city. But if you read this, you might be like, but Pastor John, um, didn't it say that they didn't receive the gift of the Holy Spirit yet? What's with the delay? What's going on? Well, I'm glad you're asking what's going on. That's what we want to ask when we're in conversations with people. Holy Spirit, what are you up to right now? What are you doing? You see, what I want to say is this. I'm glad you noticed this because yes, up until this point in the book of Acts, Luke has been pointing out that people are believing, being baptized, receiving the Holy Spirit. It's coming upon them. It's just kind of this natural thing. But here he notes that something different is going on. Why? Well, I want to remind you the Holy Spirit is, is a person. He's not a formula. 
okay? He's not a sequence that we push into the shuttle salvation to get it off the ground so that we can orbit around God's son. He's not a formula. He's not a sequence. He's not something to master or maintain. He's a person. He's a person who knows Jesus' mission, and he's always acting according to the plan. So what was God's plan here in this apparent delay of the Holy Spirit? Remember how we just said that the Holy Spirit holds open doors for us? And he sets up missional opportunities for us to be the good news and share the good news with others? Think about it this. Yes, the Holy Spirit could have came in through Philip's preaching and could have just... Um, been baptisms, Holy Spirit, he could have simply done it, moved on, gone to another region. He could have done it really quick, probably more efficiently, more quickly. But it reminds me of this African proverb that I saw in South um, Johannesburg Airport in South Africa that says this, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. As I prayed and meditated on this passage, I started to realize that the Holy Spirit was up to something deep. He was bringing the Jerusalem church together with the new church in Samaria in order to strengthen the unity together as believers. God's Holy Spirit was holding the door open for for, uh, John and Peter, for them to walk through, to walk through towards the Samaritans, those that people had wanted to overlook and reject and step over and get out of the way. Holy Spirit is holding doors open to bring the church together so because they are now experiencing Jesus's name, experiencing Jesus's baptism, and here comes the Holy Spirit. Remember, this was the same John and brother of James who asked God to call down fire to incinerate the Samaritans because they got snubbed. And now John is walking in. What was the Holy Spirit doing in John's heart that he wanted John to experience from the Samaritans? What might God want John and Peter to pay attention to in the lives of the Samaritans? What might God be wanting to communicate to the Samaritan people through the apostles, the bigwigs from Jerusalem? They're coming here and we're receiving the Holy Spirit. Again, the Spirit arranged this divine appointment in the lives of believers then. The Spirit was there working as Peter and John came. The Holy Spirit's not this magician who's trying to hoodwink us into salvation, but he's bringing two groups together for a very intimate, a very reconciling, a very Spirit-filled moment of embrace into God's family. Yes, he could have done it quickly, but he seems to be bringing people together. So again, here's a soul exercise this week that you can practice. A soul exercise that we can practice of being filled by the Spirit. Now again, in, in the notes out there, you can spend time in the Word discovering what Ephesians gets at with being filled with the Spirit, but while you're in the Word, you're also going to be in the world, and so here's what I want to encourage you to do this week. Let someone else teach you something. Let someone else be the expert. Choose to ask questions rather than commenting, and I'll be the first to raise my hand and say, this is hard but I want you to try it. And then talk to Jesus what it was like for you. What happened inside of you as you refrained from commenting and gave someone else the floor? Tell the Lord Jesus how easy or hard it was for you. Tell him what obstacles you noticed. Tell him what helped you stay curious rather than corrective. You might say, well, Pastor John, that doesn't sound very spiritual. How's this going to help me be filled with the Spirit? Remember, the Holy Spirit is a person 
who often, and we often tend to fill ourselves with things other than God. Because if I'm honest, I think I know it all. And I need to be reminded to surrender, to surrender control, to surrender my time, to surrender my schedule, so that he can lead me back to the heart of God. And that heart of God includes others because it included me. As we practice not being the experts with others, our souls will begin to have room in them for the Holy Spirit to bear his fruit, to do whatever he wants. Which leads us to our third point this morning, which we're kind of circling it, but lest we think we become experts at identifying missional opportunities, unless we become experts at being unified with one another, the Holy Spirit's gonna take us down into humility, right? There's always gonna be room to grow in humility. In order for the Spirit of God to lead us and fill us, he's gonna have to walk us down the road that leads to humility. The way of humility is God's way of removing the fruits of ourselves so that the fruits of Jesus' Spirit can come through. Look with me at verse 18. Now, when Simon saw that the spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered him money, saying, give me this power also so that anyone whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord, if possible, that the intent of your heart may be forgiven. For I see you are in the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity. Gulp. Then Simon answered, pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you've just said will come upon me. When I read this, I'm like, Jeez. Often I ask our students, you ever said anything stupid when you shouldn't have? Everybody raise their hands, right? I'm like, come on, Peter. Wait, wait, wait. And then I'm like, wait a second, this is Peter. Peter, weren't you famous for fishing your foot out of your mouth all the time? Right? Peter's response is harsh, but he recognizes what's going on in Simon's heart because he saw what happened in Ananias and Sapphira's heart. He also saw what happened to his own heart when Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, to Peter. Peter can see that Simon's heart isn't in the right place and that there are obstacles between him and God, namely the prestige and the poison that comes and grows in us when we're possessed by our possessions, when we're possessed by our positions and we just enjoy the power. Peter wants Simon to recognize who the Holy Spirit of God is that he was just trying to purchase. We already know that Simon in his old life used to enjoy the prestige of being a magician and adored the, the applause of the crowd. The Holy Spirit is not something that we work hard to require but rather it is a gift to be received by the hand of God. Peter reminds Simon that the Holy Spirit is a person. It's not the latest, greatest object to be acquired like a Cybertruck, right? You know, you put a little deposit in for the Cybertruck, you wait forever, you finally get it, it's awesome, it's powerful, and then you get the program to go wherever you want. That's not who the Holy Spirit is, okay? The Holy Spirit is God himself. God's Spirit is a gift that is given to us. The Spirit is a person who accompanies us counsels us, comforts us, challenges us, leads us to where God is going. And then sometimes the Holy Spirit, like we see here, and if you're a human who's breathing, you probably experience in your own life, the Holy Spirit wants to take us down a few notches. He doesn't punish us out of pride, but he wants to deliver us from the evilness that pride can hold within us. 
You see, the Spirit takes us down in order that God may be raised up. This reminds me of the, visiting the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem back in 2014 um, with my wife, Debbie. Um, the crazy thing about the Church of the Nativity is that they still hold worship services there today in Bethlehem. And the Basilica is the oldest major church in the Holy Land. But something I'll never forget is, I don't know if you can see it, there's a really small um, entrance. And I remember, literally, Debbie got the best side of me, I guess, but she took a picture, and I'm bending down, and I'm going over, and I'm like, oh, okay. Like, what's that about? Well, our guide later told us that the entrance was designed long ago to prevent people from entering the church with their horses or cattle. So what they did was they walled off the entrance and made this little cubby hole of a tiny door that is called the door of humility because visitors are forced to bend down to go through it. They're forced to bend down, to get low, to be humble. You see, to God, the Holy Spirit, unity matters. Money matters. The hidden heart matters too. So our last soul exercise that I want to encourage you with this week to challenge you to try again, is how do we keep in step with the Spirit? Again, if you go to the resource table, I did a thing on spending time in the Word and looking what Galatians talks about that. But again, you're in the Word, you're also in the world, so I'm gonna challenge you to do this. I invite you to try this week to let someone else get the glory. I'm gonna invite you to let someone else shine. I'm gonna invite you to be silent. But don't forget the step. Talk to Jesus about it. Tell him what worked, what didn't work. Tell him what erupted in you when you were letting someone else get the glory that maybe you didn't think they deserved, or at least not as much glory as you thought they deserved. Notice what helped you actually stay silent. You might say, well, again, Pastor John, this doesn't sound that spiritual to let someone else get glory that they don't really deserve. And I'm gonna, you're going to hear it again. Remember, the Holy Spirit is a person. He is God. His plan includes us, but it doesn't need us. And if he doesn't need us, but still includes us, then I'm invited into something way bigger than me. I'm invited into something way more profound, and I'm loved by someone way bigger than me because I am not that good of a lover. And if I learn how to let him increase, I have to start decreasing somewhere in my life, right? And if I'm to learn how to love my neighbor and my enemy as myself, well, that's going to be humbling. I'd say that's going to be downright humiliating. But you know what? Maybe, maybe sort of, kind of, when we're humiliated, it's like Jesus, who, according to Philippians 2, though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself. Taking the form of a servant, being born of the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. It may feel like a death, to let someone else get the glory. But that's good for our souls. The Spirit may call us to empty ourselves so that he can fill us up with himself so that the good news of Jesus might be shown and shared through our mouths and our actions in ways that we can't even imagine. So in closing, look at, um, look at verse 25. And we're gonna see that this progress in Samaria led to partnership as well. Now when they had testified and spoken of the word of the Lord, they were returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Wow. It's such a small verse that I think you could totally bypass it, but Peter and John don't just book it back to Jerusalem. 
because there's more important things happening there. No, 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 no. They themselves pick up, share in, join in the mission to the Samaritans. That's why they went to many other villages in Samaria. It's not about the Jews. It's not about the Samaritans. It's not about um, Peter and John. It's about Jesus. And the seeds are being sown in Samaria like never before. We may not understand the plan, but we're invited to be a part of it. And we're invited to trust that he understands, even if we don't. Which is why Jesus said in Acts 1 at the very beginning, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power by the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and the ends of the earth. So what if our suffering is a part of God's plan? Just like suffering was a part of Jesus's plan. What if God wants to save and restore and heal our enemies or those we'd rather not be in relationships with? What if the Spirit uses others to challenge our desires and dreams in order to help us stay connected? What if God wants to create a partnership with us on earth as it is in heaven? Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, would you help us spread your fragrance wherever we go? Would you flood our souls with your very spirit and your life's pulse? Penetrate and possess our whole being, Lord, so that our lives may be a radiance of your life. Shine through us and be so much in us that every soul that we come in contact with feels your presence in us. Let them look up and no longer see us, but only you. In Jesus' name.